share the load, share the load, share the load, share the load, share the load. Faramir just wants to play catch with his dad in the backyard, but he ends up catching a couple arrows to the dome. This is spoilers. <laughs> Poor Faramir. He's alive, right? Oh, yeah. Dead? Live? I don't remember. Almost dead. <laughs> he's alive, man. Nearly dead. He's alive. I mean, he's going to want to wish he was dead, right? Got no dad, really. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> Pippin's a doctor. He knows. He's only dead on the inside. <laughs> he just needs medicine. <laughs> you just need you just need Kingsfold. That's all he needs. Um welcome to spoilers. This is episode three <laughs> of Return of the King. First bullet list. I don't know where we left off last time. I think it was uh, the lighting of the bonfires uh by Pippin starting that signal. <laughs> I mean, what else are there? Bonfires on tops of mountains send signals, and uh, Pippin started that chain reaction. And so we get uh, a cool scene of like all of the fires being lit across like a, uh, a mountainside, and then it eventually reaches where Aragorn. And where is he at? What town is he in? Eridas or Edoras? I think he's in Edoras, so then they make their way to the Dunharrow or some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The towns in Rohan are like kind of confusing. Like that's part of why it's hard to remember stuff from Lord of the Rings. It's because it's all su- super confusing names, and they yeah. all sound similar. I thought they left Rohan, uh, the city, to go to Dunharrow. Let's all rendezvous at the Ghost Cave. It seems like yeah. So Aragorn gets a text and is like, "Hey, we need help, bro." And he's like, "BRB, let me go get my pals." And so he goes to. Theoden and is like, are we doing this or not? And Stevie, what does he say? Oh, yeah. Um, Theoden, who's been... <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby, let's go. I'm glad this is put in a way that Gen Z will be able to understand. <laughs> Theoden's been very anti Gondor for a while. He's still very butthurt about the Westfold. But all it takes is a few bonfires and he's ready to go. So, um, if I remember correctly, Gondor calls for aid, and I think Theoden takes a deep breath, and he goes, and we will answer, and people get jacked. The beacons of Minas City! The beacons are lit! Gondor calls for aid! And Rohan will answer. Muster the Rohirrim. I sent you guys this Ask Reddit question earlier today, and I wonder what you actually think. But the question is something like, why didn't Gandalf just shoot a fireball at that bonfire to start it instead of sending a hobbit on a dangerous mission uh (laughs) i think that's pretty hilarious the thing about gandalf's magic which we actually see a little bit of in this section is that it's kept like pretty vague and you don't see an overuse of it on screen or even in the books they don't overuse his magic so i think it's like extra special because of that i'm telling you Refractory period. He's exhausted every time he uses it. Every time he busts magic out. He's not really supposed to get involved in the affairs 
but he's kind of uh he's deeply obscene. involved he breaks that yeah. rule several times <laughs> since day one he's been involved <laughs> I'd like to think he has a mana bar. You know, it drains when he uses magic. <laughs> He's got to drink a potion. But at the same time, it more so seems like the stage has to be set for him, like David Blaine, and the cameras have to be like right at the right angle for <laughs> yeah. him to pull off his quote miracle. You know? <laughs> yeah. You can't see the top of his head. What's the max amount of likes I can get if I post this to Twitter right now? <laughs> Josh, my theory was it was a win-win sending uh, Pippin on that quest. Because if he falls off a cliff, Pippin dies, Gandalf's relieved. <laughs> Peregrine Took, you are the worst. Fool of a Took. And if he finishes it, he doesn't have to use any magic and have, you know, a 10-hour refractory period. So he's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's getting done either way. Yeah. I see how the casual viewer, it's like confusing, though. Because earlier in this movie, he just says, Saruman, other powerful wizard in the realm, your staff is broken. <laughs> Couldn't he just say, bonfire, you are lit? <laughs> yeah. That cost him two days of magic. Yeah. It kind of <laughs> feels like he can choose how much, or he, he's kind of picky about how big he wants to go for stuff. Because I feel like, I don't know, he, he later in this, in episode three or whatever, maybe I, I watched a little too far ahead, but like he's warding off Nazgul's by his own. I don't think Gandalf has any limit to his magic. Just not supposed to use it that much because i don't think he runs out just save a lot of people some trouble gandalf and go take this goddamn ring yourself to the mountain <laughs> very you're quickly. saying he has, <laughs> he has no refractory period brett i don't believe so no that's impressive brett stands on <laughs> <laughs> super impressive not to have any refractory period whatsoever you can just go all night a lot of testosterone in gandalf do you guys remember when brett was talking about the aragon or Aragorn is like his huge flaw in this is that he's flawed. And now it's like Gandalf should be OP. You love these guys, Brett. They're not all supermen though, right? <laughs> is there a god that Gandalf would have to answer to if he quote broke the rules? Like what is I think so actually. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. Yeah, there's a the, the same person who brought him same person who brought him back. I mean, he in the books, when he's in the forest, he literally says that the guys, uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas do not have any weapons that could possibly hurt him. And that the, literally says the only person who's powerful enough to stop him in Middle-earth is Sauron. So he does not, he, I mean, he ain't sweating these fools. I mean, isn't the Witch King an equal? No, a, no. As shown in this movie? In the movie, yeah, in the movie, yes. And trust me, that if you want to put a list of top three things that make book lovers the most mad that is a one or two <laughs> well yeah we will we'll get to it i mean that's ahead yeah uh yeah so I, i'm gonna <laughs> keep it going um mary in a an act of pure stupidity he pledges himself to the services <laughs> of uh theoden i mean he's not a fighter what what are his chances here pap is he dead meat um you know he's got faramir's boyhood armor on so he's got that going for him. I mean, We're, Denethor. Yeah, you said Theoda. Who are we talking about? Because they both pledge fealty. They both oh, pledge. Oh, we're talking about Mary. Okay. Mary pledges fealty to Theoden. Yeah, like the CGI Mary on the horse, if that's any indication of how effective <laughs> he'll be in battle, we're not off to a good start. Also, I don't feel bagging those two scenes confused because they feel very similar. Very similar. Right next to each other, which is a little, uh, not not bad, but it's like these hobbits need a reason to care. 
about the people or, or get involved in the battle or stay in the story. So, I mean, but like, yeah, he, he can barely ride a horse and it looks terrible when he's doing it. So I don't know <laughs> exactly how helpful he's going to be out there. It was supposed to rhyme, Pap. It's poetry. <laughs> it makes sense with their character. Like, they're all codependent. At first, they all have the Shire and that's their like full identity. And then they have like each other and they're best friends and they do all these <laughs> things. And now they're all solo. So it's like, have you guys ever had like a friend that like, as soon as they break up with a girlfriend, they just like smash right into like another serious relationship. Just like, yeah, me. It kind of reminds me of that. The Hobbit's just ready to overcommit to. Oh, sorry, Corey. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> They're ready to kiss the ring instantly. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much the only way these guys are gonna like stay in the in the movies. I guess it's like if they don't pledge themselves and serve themselves as like lambs to the slaughter then they're not really needed anymore so i guess it's like oh, we'll keep them around for some scenes and maybe they'll pull something off i guess i don't know maybe we'll go light a bonfire and signal the west <laughs> um the west after that uh the rangers retreat and are saved by gandalf uh this is uh what when faramir tries to go <laughs> His dad sends him on a death march to uh, <laughs> retake a city that's just, just been overrun by orcs, and uh, they get. Well, no, this is not it. It's well, two no, parts. Yeah, you're leaving back again. Yeah, they they leave. They lose the city, and then they're getting slaughtered, and they decide to ride back, and then they're just get kicked off. Can I offer a critique here, due to Mikey's confusion? I think like, what is that little city called on the outcrop, Brett? Osgiliath. Osgiliath? There you go, Osgiliath. Osgiliath, like the scenes where they're fighting inside of Osgiliath, you have no idea what the scale or size of that place is. Like, Right, it always looked really small to me. Yeah, it's like they're in one hallway, right? When they're in the city proper. It was the crown jewel of Gondor. Yeah, and they talk about it. Uh, they talk about it. I don't know if they do in the... But yeah, it's like the last stronghold before you get into the, like, the big city, so... It's really important, but... Uh, is it? Yeah, I'm not going to concern myself with the geography of Middle-earth. There's guys fighting in different areas around <laughs> the place, and they're losing all the time. Uh, the orcs are killing everybody, uh, and they retreat and are saved by Gandalf. Is this where the, the Nazguls come in, or no? Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> so Gandalf decides that now is a good time. I'm going to use my magic, because I feel like it, and save these guys. And he ends up doing a great job. He shines light in their eyes with a flashlight, and they go away. And then... <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> there was a pretty funny story from the commentary where that shot where Faramir goes, Nazgul, and like pans up and you see the Nazgul. Apparently, before they CGI'd it, there was a giant uh, New Zealand Airlines flight flying exactly <laughs> where the Nazgul is in that shot. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, and then we have... Hey, Mikey. I'm just going bullet by bullet. Do you care if I ask a question to the group? Go for it. Because I was curious about this. Do you guys think, like, this movie suffers a little bit of, like, underwhelming orcness? Because, mm -hmm. like, you have... This movie as a whole or this section? I mean, this section in general, like, when, you know, the orcs are storming Osgiliath and stuff like that. Like, you're dealing with the Urukai in the second one which were just fucking badass, to be feared, prominent, like, orcs. First and second one, yeah. Then you get to the elephant 
this one. And then you get to like this movie and like these orcs are like five two, barely a buck fifty. It just feels kind of like underwhelming orcs. I don't know. It, it, it just there's, doesn't feel very imposing There's a lot of to small me. ones destroying There's literally a guys. scene where this orc that, like, you're right, Steve, he's like 5'2", and he goes up and just bludgeons this massive man. It just feels underwhelming to me. It almost makes me feel like, I know that book readers hate the change in the movies, but almost uh, save the Urukai for this movie. Well, the first movie had Lurtz, right? Yeah. Who's like the LeBron James of orcs, and he was awesome to watch. Yeah. And then the second movie had when are we going to get some meats, which is like the best scene of orcs. Right. So, yeah, I guess I see your point. And what do we got this one? We got a lot of Harvey Weinstein orc. <laughs> Gothmog? Yep. The hero of the story, if you're Josh. <laughs> that dude sounds like Dr. Claw. Uh, Brad, do you want to explain this convo between Gandalf, Pippin, and Faramir? So when after uh, Gandalf saves them with, by shining his flashlight in their eyes, <laughs> um, they get back to the city, and Faramir does like a double take when he looks at Pippin, and Gandalf's like, "You've seen the halfling before," and he's like, "Yes." And then they find out that uh, Sam and Frodo are still alive, at least as a couple of days ago. It was just like a moment of hope, and then yeah. it's like Faramir immediately gets the orders in front of everybody to like, I, I mean, he's marching to his death, yeah. He gets like scolded big time by his dad's like, you should have brought me the ring. Oh man, that's a that's a good scene. That's a brilliantly <laughs> acted scene in my opinion. It is, but B- Boromir coming in and like the- yeah. Uh, unintentionally hilarious. It's so funny. How did that make the final cut? <laughs> I don't think it did make the Jeez. final cut. It made the extended cut. Theatrical, or the extended cut. And apparently that was shot when they had Boromir, uh, Sean Bean on set. And they were literally just like, hey, stand in front of this black tarp and uh, <laughs> smile and walk towards the camera. And th- th- they're like, okay, they didn't know like what Return of the King would be or when they would use that for and it's kind of like plugged in here and it shows to be fair though it does uh it really hits the nail i mean it it, it digs the nail and dive deep even deeper into faramir's back like it does no do denethor is acting so off his balls well right now if he was looking into the distance like that you would know exactly like what was going on i don't this is terrible I, it does. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's. Uh, I'm glad it didn't make the cut. I'm just saying it just adds on to me. Of, but the extended editions are the ultimate cut. What do you mean? This is it. I just wish they could have had like Boromir there. You know what I mean? Like even just standing there would have That's been true. so much better than the weird like silhouette. It almost looks like an <laughs> '80s family portrait where he's like standing yes, behind dude. in his own little frame. It's so <laughs> weird. The crowd starts clapping when he walks into frame. What if there's a soldier in the background who looked a lot like Boromir and they kind of blurred his face or something? That could have been cool. My favorite part is when um, Denethor like slips on a banana peel. Like <laughs> <laughs> Denethor needs to go in the concussion protocol. He fell. <laughs> I do think the best part of the scene though is when he's like, Boromir would have brought me the ring and I think Faramir, who rarely ever talks back, is like, no, he would have taken the ring and basically saying he would have gotten really bad and really powerful and he would have come and tried to kill every everybody in this town. So 
Well, and not to jump too far ahead, but like I, this is why I don't feel bad getting the two hobbits confused. Their their stories are basically like poetry. They rhymes of each other. They, they yeah. insert this whole extra scene of Pippin bonding with Faramir, giving him the armor, and Merry bonding with Eowyn when she's like helping him sharpening the sword or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. this scene <laughs> only exists to like establish the relationship between those like two sets of characters, but it does work. Like I'm glad it's there in both cases. Do you think it's kind of racist that there was no sexual tension between the Hobbit and Eowyn? Like, Thank you. Why doesn't the Hobbit get to have a little bit of, you know, nookie time? I mean, he hasn't seen a woman in years. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey on the soundboard and hosting tonight. So. Uh, double duty. Josh, that's... I mean... First of all, the physics, it wouldn't work. Who's who's in charge there? Uh, it would clearly be a, a sub to, to Eowyn. Jeez. Uh, I think the physics could be incredible. I want to see some Hobbit human porn. I'm searching x right now. Actually, in the books, they're like literally the two tallest Hobbits ever because they were getting, they were drinking all the, el- the yeah. elf uh, ent draft. So they're like way taller than any other Hobbit. So they pull in the Shire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So after that, I mean, after that horrible conversation uh, from between Denethor and Faramir, he's ordered to go take this orc city back. It doesn't go his way. Gandalf pleads with him in the streets to don't do this. I know your dad loves you, but he still does it anyway because he's, he's, I don't know. I guess like even more loyal to his father. He's like loyal to royalty or like loyal to who he's serving, right? He wants I to mean, die. I don't know. He doesn't want to die. He's like doing his job. Uh, he's honorable. And <laughs> he sure sounds like he wrote he wrote a manifesto in here, man. He's like, oh, the oh. remembrance of the city and its wisdom and beautiful light on the hill. Father's will has turned to madness. Do not throw away your life so rashly. Where does my allegiance lie, if not here? This is the city of the men of Numenor. I will gladly give my life to defend her beauty, her memory, her wisdom. He's rambling for a bit. I, I mean, we don't even have internet, man. It's not much to fight for here. <laughs> Go somewhere Extreme. else. Yeah. Uh, he loses. He they all get sniped by orcs. He gets two in like a belly in the belly and the chest, and he's like dragged back on horse. The the orcs tie him up and drag him back. Jode, who finds him and do, is he still alive? Uh, he's nearly dead. <laughs> Sorry, who who does find them? Uh, is it is it Pit or Mary? I mean. See the confusion. Don't they just get the... drugged to the gates? He just gets like flung yeah. in there. Okay, yeah, he's just like behind the horse. Yeah, but like all of his friends are standing around him and like pointing. He's dead. So it's like <laughs> he's nearly dead. I, I mean, all that to protect like the precious cherry tomato fields. How do we feel about Billy Boyd's song? 
There ain't pheromones. A real downer. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a jam. A though. jam? It's a beautifully crafted scene, I think. A jam, Brett? Yeah. I thought he said they don't have sad songs, and that was a sad song. He composed the music himself, and apparently they were all getting hammered at a karaoke night, and they were like, hey, this hobbit can sing. And so they let him like sing that song <laughs> as a total impromptu. I think it uh, works pretty well. The other one would have been there. Who'd have been like, you are everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Lost. There we go. I wasn't sure how yeah, many people baby. would get that reference. <laughs> behind the world ahead and there are many paths to tread through shadow to the edge of night until the stars are all alive and shadow cloud and shade You are everybody You are everybody Acting like it's stupid people When it's fancy clothes I only remember that because those lyrics have never made sense to me <laughs> ever <laughs> All right, the band Drive Shaft. Yeah, I don't remember if that was brought up in the show. What a one-hit wonder. Oh, and then we uh, catch back up with Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, and they're on these crazy stairs uh, that go through the pass of Sirith Ungol. I'm reading Brett's notes here. I'm hoping all of this is correct. Uh, Gollum, <laughs> Gollum uh, is up to his tricksy ways, and Corey, what does he do? How does he trick uh, Frodo into betraying Sam? Well, Gollum is uh, he's creating some adversity between the uh, two biggest BFFs on Middle-earth, Frodo and Sam. Uh, Sam is, the way he handles stress is to just get extremely violent. Lashing out, not great. So he has like been beating the shit out of Gollum like <laughs> mercilessly a lot. And Gollum just ain't having that shit anymore. So uh, while they're sleeping, he tosses away the lambda's bread and he takes uh, some some crumbs and he like kind of like sprinkles it over sleeping sam like seasons him like a cop might do with uh, with like some crack at a crime scene with crack <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were allowed to bring that up nowadays I feel like that came up organically <laughs> I was trying to pay more attention to how many crumbs Sam had on his on his uh, cloak this scene, and it he has it at first, and then there's a lot of action with no crumbs, and then they like cut back, and he's got a slice of bread on his fucking shoulder. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Yeah, they crumb and go. You could say. I don't like the overall treatment of the crumbs and the discarded lambus bread. Like, you need to savor that yeah. stuff. It has a bunch of calories in those crumbs. <laughs> That'll give you an hour each crumb. Yeah, That'll give you an hour probably. Can I tell a little inside baseball story of spoilers here, super quick? Um, yeah. 
five years ago when we recorded the planes, trains, and automobiles episode, we did it at Stevie's apartment at the time. And brand Mikey new was minted there. apartment. Yep. Brand brand new apartment, and we got super duper drunk. It's true. And when we when we woke up, there was a giant mess in the kitchen. Cheese everywhere. <laughs> Cheese I and may have crackers had... everywhere. <laughs> we don't know if it was me or Mikey. I may have had some crumbs on me, and Stevie blamed me for the cheese incident, but I would like to accept your apology now, Stevie, now that we know it's not definitive. Oh, it was me. Don't listen to him, Stevie. <laughs> Here's the best way I can describe it. When I woke up, I went to the kitchen. It was like someone had tried to build Minas Tirith out of cheese and crackers. I shit you not. <laughs> We don't know it was me. There's no way to know. <laughs> the white tree. Didn't you wake up on the f- kitchen floor? Or was I misremembering? <laughs> Listen, Gollum Mikey planted me there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> He's lactose intolerant. You did it. Corey, I don't know why, but this scene kind of like always reminds me of you when I watch it now because we did a heavyweights pod. And my favorite part of heavyweights is when on Parents' Day when they go to see Gerald Garner, age eleven hundred forty-one pounds, and Jeffrey Tambor goes, "You look good," and he go, looks at his wife and he goes, "Hasn't lost a pound." Like that's the way I feel about Sam in this scene. <laughs> Just brush that dude right off him. Corey, I also think of you because it's the scene where they have the close-up on Sean Astin's mouth and he's like, carry the load. (laughs) And I know you love that part. You say that all the time. That's one of my all-time most remembered Lord of the Rings lines. Um, Also, I'm glad, and I know we breeze over this, but I'm glad Denethor eating the tomato has become a meme because that stuck with me from the very first time I saw this movie in theaters too, but... Uh, share the load is a good one. I searched for share the load memes, and um, let me just say, don't do that because it's <laughs> mm, exactly what you might think. Oh no! <laughs> I could help a bit. I could carry it for a while. Carry it for a while. I could carry it. I could carry it. Share the load. Uh, oh boy! Come on, Brett. <laughs> Too far. Edit. Um, why do they sleep so close to the edge? Like, there's plenty of room farther away from that that ledge, my friend. The calling this uh this like stairs is being pretty generous. It's just like a vertical <laughs> cliff face. Gong, no problem. He's like, just be careful, guys. Uh, I tied your shoelaces together. (laughs) (laughs) Does this remind you guys of free solo or higher though? Definitely higher. Or cliffhanger? Absolutely not. No. Uh, anything else happen here? I mean, Frodo just kind of like tells Sam to, Hey, just go back to the Shire, which is like, uh, what am I going to pick up an Uber here? What do you want me to do? (laughs) It's like, I'm closer to the fucking Mordor than I am to the Shire. I'm going with you. All right, I'll just whistle the eagles and fly home then. (laughs) Yeah. So, Brett, I I mean, maybe you would be most appropriate to speak to this, but this is one of those huge book changes. Um, It's what Lindsay Ellis would call a forced Peej conflict, which there's a lot of in Return of the King specifically. Peej. But um, Frodo and Stam, they stick together. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, there's nothing like this. Like, like I think I said the last uh, two towers. When like, 
I think in the book, Sam catches Gollum like very early scheming, and then they pretty much just watch him like crazy the rest of the time. I mean, they get a little weird later on with the ring. Sam gets the ring, but no, yeah, this is all manufactured. And again, I feel like I need to reiterate. I'm a, I love the movies like a billion times more than the books. I just don't. I don't want <laughs> it to come off like I'm the other way around. So Harry what? Potter, I'm the other way around. But for this, yeah, definitely movies. What? Peach? 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 Peter Jackson? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, sorry. Oh, is that what we're calling him now? Peach? <laughs> Have we always been calling yeah. him that? No. Oh, okay. What up, Peach? What's up, Peach? This is like the this uh, this part is like the darkest hour moment for Sam. Though he's told to go home by Frodo. I mean, he is devastated. Have you guys ever like been on a road trip or driving with someone and just like kicked them out of the car? <laughs> like, yeah, I was in Stevie's apartment. I spilled cheese everywhere. <laughs> I <can't> believe. <laughs> No, it's not what happened. Pappy hey. spilled cheese and crackers everywhere and left without telling. Supposedly, me. supposedly. <laughs> I don't think so, Josh. On Dude. a road trip? No, that seems insane. Uh, like, what is that person supposed to do? What is Sam uh, supposed to do, though? For real? Like at this point, home. I would just join up with uh, freaking Sauron. And, I mean, he's right there. There's an empty tower right there. He could sneak into and yeah. live a long life there. <laughs> The thing of it is, all of Gollum's schemes like kind of make sense in this moment, makes sense, except for the fact that he predicted that Sam would ask for the ring. How on earth did Gollum know that he would ask to carry the load, share the load? Sam is such a simp. He's like, I'm going to do anything to help my bro out. <laughs> I mean, didn't he kind of take it from him in the second one? At the end? Talking about the movie? Yeah. No, not that I remember. No. Just in the. I I think it's, it's a pretty good guess. He'll, he'll yeah, he can say it, and if it happens, it and he lucky. predicted it, and if it doesn't, Frodo will just forget, and like, oh, that's crazy Gollum shit. It's like a Alex Jones, yeah, Alex Jones this. Trump bullshit. <laughs> okay, but but it happened five minutes later. It's not like he predicted something's gonna happen in the next ten years Whoa. or whatever. It was very fortuitous timing. In ten years, he will. He will ask for the precious. <laughs> uh, anything else here? No. It was shot on a squash court, which is interesting. <laughs> Apparently, they shot this during the Fellowship filming, and it was raining. So, like, hey, Sam and Frodo, uh, pretend like you're at the end of the movie now. And they built this little stage in a squash court wherever they were filming Fellowship, which would be pretty tough if you're an actor. It's like, okay, now you're at the end of the journey, which might explain why. Samwise Gamgee hasn't lost a pound. Hasn't lost a pound. <laughs> the more I hear about the production of this movie, the more it sounds just like college kids running around doing shit on the sidewalk <laughs> and then like quickly leaving before the cops show up. This movie is a miracle. This movie is an absolute miracle. There was one day I was um, watching an interview with the executive producer. Uh, Peter Jackson had eight um, sets set up in a parking lot with all the actors running around on different sets and shooting. So it's a miracle this movie got made. Ah, that's so crazy. Why not just run a warehouse, run a warehouse or something? And I, I don't know. It seems so bizarre to just have it all out in the open like that. And I don't know. Like, wasn't there some the trivia? Yeah. Wasn't there some trivia about how they <laughs> bought the biggest warehouse in New Zealand and shot a bunch of this in it? 
I mean, they bought everything. Yeah. <laughs> Gondor's palace is filmed in that. Yeah. <laughs> Gee. Interesting. Uh, we get a cool scene of the Witch King, and he's just kind of like giving orders and uh, the, like get get the troops ready. We're gonna attack Gondor, and the scene of the guys at Gondor getting ready. We got Pippin and Faramir are talking about childhood and Boromir and Faramir still cannot stop talking and praising his brother Boromir. This is where he gets his this is where uh Pippin gets Boromir's armor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice story. Brett, how much longer can we hold on to the image of Boromir in our head before we're just like, this guy was alright. He was not the greatest. He's just fine. He died early, okay? <laughs> or is he just is he really that awesome of a guy i don't know i hate being this like i just remember thinking uh when i actually the second time i listened to the book a couple years ago faramir is like literally the coolest most awesome dude like in the entire book he's like amazing got a backwards hat skateboard sunglasses a wallet chain turns his chair around <laughs> when he sits down he's Yo. got jinko he, he invented jinkos like he was wearing boromir's jeans that's why they were so big uh but yeah i don't know they're they want us to remember because it kind of fits in with uh, uh, Denethor kind of losing it later on. I mean, yeah. But again, Denethor all is losing it all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Denethor is a fucking mess, man. Like, he is... He needs therapy. Basically evil the whole time, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. In the movie? Yeah. Pretty much. See, he kind of, like, gets there in the book. He... He uses the uh, the the magic orb. He ponders it for a while, and then like he starts to like go crazy from it. <laughs> Sauron like gets in his head and starts oh, yeah. making him make some bad decisions. But he's kind of like a you know relatively cool before that. In this movie, he's just like constantly scowling. Like picture Denethor in your head. There's a scowl, right? He's scowling. And a bad hairline. Yeah. With tomato juice all over his face. <laughs> They should have gotten him into the previous movie. Just like Theoden is in this movie in large part, seems like Denethor should have some sort of crossover to allow him to have some an arc. Is there like a production story around this TV? Is he is this guy only available for like two days on set? So he's just sitting on a chair like going nuts for the full two days? Like what happened here? There <coughs> I think Stevie's choking in the background. So. Oh. <laughs> I think it's more of they probably couldn't fit all of the two towers in the two towers movie, right? I mean, even though he's not in the two towers, they didn't have room, the bandwidth to fit in another character to set up for the third movie. Which is the whole first half, the whole first third of this movie is just the coda of the last. But a couple of scenes would have gone a long way, right? To show him maybe as wise and good, and then Dude. it's like a turn gonna, that he's bad here or something. You can't complain about planting and payoff in the Lord of the Rings series. Where are the eagles? Like, why do they just happen to show up at the dead cave, the, the cave of the dead soldiers? You know what I mean? It's like things just kind of happen. New, new information is constantly being presented to us in this story. <laughs> we have uh, a mad steward holding, holding the place of a king who. Uh, isn't it at the throne right now? And Pippin's big brain idea is to like, I'm gonna pledge my allegiance to that guy. <laughs> I was just with his dead son. I was there when he died. I this is the only way I know how to repay you back. And he's an idiot. Uh, and he's kind of just like 
uh, he's kind of just like Denethor's jukebox uh, for a scene. <laughs> and Stevie, how, how great is this song by uh, Pippin? It's fucking weird, man. You don't like it? I like it. I think it's beautiful. It's eerie, though. It's not a jam by any means. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly a party song, is it? <laughs> you don't think his song is worthy of Denethor's court? It's like Needle in the Hay. It's like Elliot Smith's song, basically. Oh my God. <laughs> Stevie wants like Little John or nothing. Like, dude, something. Give me a beat. Get some T Pain in there. He wants super massive black hole by Muse or something. All I do is win. I mean, that would have been something. Meek Mill. <laughs> Meek Mill for sure. Meek Mill would have crushed it in there. But. It's an eerie song for some eerie that's happening because Faramir, I believe, is just committing suicide at this point. So also when you match that <laughs> eeriness of the song with fucking cherry and tomato juice coming out of Denethor's disgusting mouth, it kind of <laughs> works. Right. There's like three things happening at the same time. Like the event of trying to take Osgiliath is played like very beautifully in slow-mo, like kind of like warriors on their last ride and then pippin he's like mourning them already yeah right so you got like the sadness of him and then you got like just the evil oozing out of denethor like the one that has like perpetrated this whole series of events to happen so like you got all three at the same time and it's just good you know oh. there's no dialogue or anything other than the words of the song and it's uh i think it's a, a great moment of the movie one of the best there's a fourth event happening at the same time, and it's Gandalf sitting by taking a rest, okay? He's doing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's very tired. He's like, I can't use magic right now. I'm in my refractory period. <laughs> Blew my load too quick. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Amen, out. Gandalf. Amen. Wipe out all of these oryx very swiftly. It's like when you play a caster in D&D and like you use a couple spells, you're like, all right, when are we going to rest? All right, we're going to rest now or what? I'm going to get my spells again. I guess we're at Dunharrow now. Theoden and Aragorn are discussing reinforcements. They got nobody. They're expecting... Uh, I don't know. Theoden was like expecting a bunch of people to come by and... None of his friends answered his text message. <laughs> very upset. Because <laughs> he, he like has less than half the guys is what he was expecting, right? And I think... New village, do this. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even understand what their plan is supposed to be. But Aragorn is like, this doesn't look great. Pap, what is the plan? And what do they see like in that forest? They find a new trail or some sort. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it's very fortuitous that they happen to set the rendezvous point where they can spawn a bunch of new allies. Just very frequent, or very con uh, conveniently, right there. <laughs> spawn point. Yeah. So that that was an interesting thing too, listening to the commentary. So like, you know, when you see like the the uh, ghost king or whatever mm -hmm. in the in the cave, 
apparently that's like looks significantly way different than it looked in the theatrical cut. Like I guess in the theatrical cut you can barely see the ghost and they really enhanced them for this extended edition, which is interesting. But I guess the plan is to uh have Aragorn return as the king, basically, which is all summoned in by Elrond showing up and telling him, Hey, here's your sword. You gotta do what you gotta do. But like this seems like one of the biggest contrivances of the story, right? Like it is. Is this how it is in the books that they just happen to show up where this cave of evil, quote, evil people are eternally damned to be? Is there a little bit of fate that's tied into Lord of the Rings? Is that a, a theme? It's like no? the Boondock Saints. It's divine intervention. Yeah. I don't remember. I thought they had mentioned, I thought Gandalf had mentioned to him that you need to get these people, but I don't, I don't remember. Corey? So Aragorn is like, hanging out with all the rangers at this point. So we don't see him in the movie, but in the book, the other rangers are with Aragorn and they're kind of with the Rohirrim, but they intentionally deviate off course to go seek out these um, uh, undead beings, which were never super clear to me. We'll talk about more about it later, but if there were like zombies or ghosts, um, but it's more Aragorn's idea and he is just, he goes off course. He kind of goes his own way to do it. I think in the movie, the reason they have it so close physically to where they are is just so that we can get like some dialogue that explains what that is, where that leads, kind of allude to the mystery of what's that way. Yeah, but in all of Middle-earth, it's pretty fucking fortunate that these two places happen to line up at this point. Yeah, without a doubt. You guys don't understand it. Middle Earth is a very straight country. <laughs> it's just one path. Everybody <laughs> goes up and down the same path. That's what I'm saying. Middle Earth is flat. <laughs> what is it? What do you see? I see shapes of men and of horses. Where? Pale banners like shreds of cloud. Spears rise like winter thickets through a shroud of mist. The dead are following. They have been summoned. The dead? Summoned? I knew that. Very good. Very good. Legolas! I'm having a hard time re- reading Pappy right now. Like, I feel like earlier you were saying, like, get over it, Josh. There's no planting payoff. That's just what it is. But, like, that's not great filmmaking. Other movies that we see just things happening, we don't necessarily like. So, are we giving this a pass because we've been brainwashed by, like, the last six hours of this and we're on hour seven now? Or, I mean, where are you what- standing with all that? That's where it gets tricky, right? And I feel like that's where you need to kind of compare what the choices that the filmmakers make that deviated from the books. This monotonous that can be to talk about, but like if they left out the whole scene where they're intentionally going to this place, that's kind of a bad choice from a filmmaking perspective. But I mean, I don't know, Brett Corey, you you've read the books. I feel like information is just constantly being doled out as they're going through this world right so i mean to some extent you're beholden to the source material but if you make a choice like this it doesn't make any sense not a great choice 
I think you could say in the movie, like in terms of like the path of the dead being so close, like that's just like the road to kind of get there. And then once you're there, you even have to continue to travel. So it's like, I mean, it's just a path to them. It's not like they're supposed to be right there next to them. Although we do no, see it the is. ghosts the show horse, up for a second. The horses are freaking out because of the shadow of the mountain. This is like the spot. This is like a haunted well, there, area. There's 6,000 people, so they're like in a pretty big area as well. But I, I would also guess that like the probably the orcs and stuff are staying pretty far away from that spot if it's like a haunted mountain. I don't know. It seems like it would be a relatively safe spot, but it's also a no, huge area. There's 6,000 dudes. The orcs love that shit, first of all. The orcs would love the fucking ghosts. No way. <laughs> they love that feeling of just being on edge. They're so scared. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be like Jordan and Pippin. <laughs> Pippin and Mary. Yeah. Uh, I mean, does Aragorn know that, like, he's got to know that, like, he, he, that power of controlling the dead army is like, he, he has that in his bag, right? He has to know that, right? That comes with the territory of being the king? Or no? He clearly knows of them. Because he calls them murderers and betrayers. He's talking to Elrond. But like when he gets to the king, he's like, Hey, I'm the king. I am in charge of you guys. Where does he pull that out? Like, does he know? Is he leading people down this path? uh, Or knowingly, just like, This is my last chance. I gotta get this plan off or else we're fucked. I don't know. Yeah, he knows they'll fulfill their oaths through him. He he's aware. But even in the in the movie, they say he's like, "I don't want to do that." And they're like, "If there's any chance that they, we can get that, you have to." So I think kind of you said it, Mike. They're they're doomed if they don't get him. So it's kind of like you gotta try. Yeah. And Brett isn't Aragorn like ninety years old, literally in this. I think I think he says that that's in the last movie. I think he's about eighty or something. Yeah. So look at look yeah. at Aragorn. He's like super old. He knows life kind of sucks. Like it's not great to live forever. And these green dudes have been living long time. Right, and they don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I like how he's able to put together this like living hell sort of thing. Cuz <laughs> he's had also, some cold nights. <laughs> also, can I just say shout out to Brett one more time for doing the timestamps cuz this whole conversation is just marked by that's a scary looking road <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite note i took was right before that uh, a noon time stamp aragorn gives sand in a noon time stamp that made me laugh when i put that note yeah said they Ar- had to leave at midday yeah Ar- <laughs> it's a scary looking road yeah that's my note <laughs> guys i was getting real tired of doing this uh-uh. Like Peter Jackson towards the end, just collapsing as you're. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I was an hour and a half in, and I had two and a half hours left. I was ready to move on. Uh, I mean, uh, that's pretty much the end. We can talk about this Erwin and Mary. There, yeah. he's getting his blade or whatever. It's not sharp. And Aomer, 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 Aomer. He just kind of like. He doesn't make fun of uh, the Hobbit in front of him. I can't tell. Is this Mary? Yeah. Uh, but he's just like, this guy's going to be useless to Eowyn. He's like, he's as good as dead. He doesn't really got to fight him. And Eowyn kind of sticks up for him a little bit. But, I mean, let's be real. 
We can't expect much from this guy, even if he is the tallest hobbit in the Shire now. But he's <laughs> also double speaking here. I feel like talking to Eowyn too. Like, hey, you're not a man. This yeah. hobbit's not oh, a yeah, man. Oh yeah, they're both having a thinly veiled conversation about women, just people in general sending people. Yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, he doesn't know that. He's like, uh, or she's like still hiding the fact that she brought her sword and stuff, I think still. And yeah, she because she hides her identity later on. Uh... And then we get Aragorn and Elrond. They speak about Arwen and the upcoming war. And then that's where he gets... Aragorn was so bummed that it was Elrond and not Eowyn. Oh, they tried to trick you so bad. Like, yeah, like, yeah that looks like... Man, I obviously knew who it was, but... Yeah, they definitely want you to think it's Arwen. Her little pre-war nookie. <laughs> Conjugal visit. Yeah, he's like, I've been turning down this clingy blonde chick for the past year. And you're in my tent. <laughs> Blingy blonde chick. Are you talking about uh, Eowyn or are you talking about uh, Legolas? Both. <laughs> hey now. The one who makes bad soup. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys got any last thoughts? Is bad soup a euphemism for bad sex? Did we ever cover this ground? I don't think we did, and I don't think it is. I think it's just bad soup. Ah, that makes so much more sense. Like, no, I think you're right, Josh. Just let it be I soup. Think- this is like the red car. This is like the red scarf from Taylor Swift's All Too Well. Mm-hmm. If you've seen that episode of, or heard that episode of spoilers, Aragorn's way older than her. He took advantage of her, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. like Dick Joe and Hall, he had a way cooler career. <laughs> Wait, who would Aragorn take advantage of? Eowyn's feet. Eowyn, and the soup is a euphemism. Wait, but it's her soup. <laughs> yeah, but you could say the same about Arwen taking advantage of Aragorn. Right? Ooh. Mm. Ooh, she's a Whose soup is whom's? <laughs> <laughs> Joe was right. It's probably just better to move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, we're not making any sense with soup comparisons so that's the end of my chapter if you guys have any no okay uh josh you got the trivia man that was quick and a score update yeah quick 47 minutes (laughs) i don't understand oh and a score update Corey gets to a minus a point right we should talk about this on pod there's a rumor that Corey gets to uh Minus a Can point. you explain? But no, Josh, for the Josh, listeners, you explain okay. the rules. What are the rules so that way the listeners can follow along? Sometimes people get to minus a point, sometimes they don't. What are the rules that we all know? Let's start from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna play tri- find them. We're going to play trivia during this Return of the King <laughs> review. And whoever no, but wins- when do you get to minus a point? <laughs> When I want you to, I didn't want that to happen the second episode. Okay, I'm there sorry. it is. Good. I'm mm. running trivia. I don't have that opportunity to win. Right. There's got to be kinks in the game. We will do that today. But listen, it's not who wins the individual trivia. It's who is the ring bearer mm. when that episode's trivia ends. And right now, Stevie, you have a commanding lead with nine. Brett, you have six. Corey, five. Jordan, four. Mikey, three which is a dangerous spot for you, Mikey. I hate to see it. And Pappy, you're all the way in the back with two. Right where I want to be. 
the golem. Moving to now. Right let's get to be. Corey's portion where he subtracts a point from someone. He ain't the ring bearer. <laughs> no. He's not. Does Stevie get to subtract a point? No. Yeah, I just did. I didn't want to do that two times in a row with Stevie. And you guys tried to like strong arm me after the episode last time. Now I'm standing up for myself. I'm running trivia. This is the point. Why did we all agree? So, I mean, there's got to be a vocal record Wait, of that. We'll, we'll get the audio on I don't that. understand don't why worry. you guys would be so keen on Stevie giving you a minus point. Like, it makes no it's, sense to Because me. we all dream Steve, of being the ring bearer. Stevie already minus the point. It's Corey's turn to minus a point here. It's he a false hope. He's not the ring bearer. It makes no sense. Man, I got to pee so bad. Let's, uh, let's get going. Individual winner. Okay. Maybe we can just wait for Brett then. Oh, it's not individual round. Brett, go pee. Okay, this okay. is okay. where the All confusion right. comes from. Sorry, I was just, I was going to wait, but. No, this is no, too much on air admin. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I thought. Okay. That's the way we've been doing it for three years now. I <laughs> don't think that's years. true. That's not true. I lied. I didn't even do that in Two Towers. <laughs> I don't even think the Two Towers had that rule. I brought it back. And I didn't want to bring it back full force, so I paced it so it would be every other episode. So just shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Josh, remember this when I have trivia next. Pappy is digging so deep into <laughs> no, this. No, I think also to lift the curtain, we decided to do one episode a night, which is why we're close to 50 minutes on this, and we're not rushing it. I like it. This was a I good choice. I think this is what the yeah. fans want. Do they want shorter episodes? No. I hope not. It's Return of the King. I mean, gotta be last long. week was late. Wasn't the other episode like an hour long? Yes. And by fans, I mean me when I listen <laughs> back to this. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> I want it to be long. While we wait for Brett, it is pretty cool that we've done this three years in a row. Oh, right? yeah. What a good accomplishment. We stuck with it. Good for us. Everybody doubted us. How many other things have you done three years in a row? I've never done anything for three consecutive years <laughs> in my life. So. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, wrote out this pandemic three years in a row. True. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right, I I have a feeling none of this will be cut. This is great shit. We are at trivia. Pappy, you have the least amount of points. You're Gollum. Can you give us a quick Gollum mm-hmm. voice? Give us something. Mm. Um, <coughs> Pappy has the least points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> Pappy can do better than that. That's literally the best I can do. It's <laughs> oh, literally the best I can do. I read the score update earlier. Pappy, you're going to go first because you it's <laughs> an advantage for you. Stevie, you will be... Or sorry, opposite. Stevie, you will go first. Fuck. Least advantage. Even better. Pappy, you have the most advantage. God damn it. 
in Mikey's time-stamped section, we do see the Witch King having a little chat with Gothmog. It's this whole thing where Witch King is like, slay them all. And he's like, what of the wizard, etc., etc. What do we know of the Witch King? He was born as a Numenarium and then later became a Ringwraith. His hair, his hair color is described as gleaming. For <laughs> weapons, he uses a Morgul knife, a big black mace, and he can like breathe this poisonous black breath. Uh, Prius has like, gingivitis. <laughs> probably, he's got COVID. Gingivitis. <laughs> he's, he's got, got nano, he's got Delta. <laughs> anyway, he was, he was born in the Second Age. But how old was this fairly dank J.R.R. Tolkien character when he died? And boys, we're gonna go to the nearest 100. Stevie, you're up first. So from when he was born to when he was dead? How old was he when he died? You can only guess in 100-year increments. Yes, on the wiki... It says died, and it's this number with a little plus sign on it. But we're just What's taking the number? that number. What? I am horrified. That's what you're looking for like there, I'm Corey. Way off. <laughs> I'm gonna lose the ring. Um, let's go with Queen. Let's go with uh, 3,900. Why is that Queen? Uh, they the sing a song 39. called 39. Brett. Um, let's go with. 5,800. Corey. Uh, whatever Stevie said, plus one. <laughs> 4,000. I hate you. Jordan. Um. <laughs> wait, so Corey's guess is 4,000? 4, 4,000. Kind of. Hmm. I'm going to go... Hmm. Damn. 5,200. My turn? Yes, Mikey, you're up. Uh, in my head, the witch, queen, the witch king is equivalent to Jesus Christ. So let's go at even 2,000 years. <laughs> cool. And what's the, what's the highest guess? The yep, 5,800 is the highest guess, and the lowest is 2,000 by Mikey. Yes. Hey, episode three is moving day. I'm gonna go for 5,900. Can somebody give me that sweet Jeopardy sound? <laughs> Do it again, but as Gollum. <laughs> There's so much slobber on my microphone oh, right now. <laughs> my brain is still taking that in. Give me a sec. Okay. Unfortunately, I think for the listener and what we all want to see, this might be a bit of a case of the rich getting richer. Oh, I gave no. you a sweet hint when I asked, when I asked, "How old is this fairly dank J.R.R. Tolkien character when he died?" Oh, the answer is four thousand 
200. Ugh. Corey, Dang. you take the top spot. But guys, guess what? Guess what? Stevie's still going to be the ring bearer. Let's and go. we're going to let Stevie give anyone he wants a minus one. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to think about it for any time no. period at all? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm your biggest threat because I just pick something close to what you pick. I know. That's why I can't. I know. I'm going to ride that out this whole movie and see if it works for me. That pretty much concludes trivia, though. Uh, Stevie's still in the lead. Brett falls to third, I think. And basically, Mikey and Pappy right in the mix there at last place, though. (laughs) Gollum. Smeagol. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll just grind through another horrible trivia at the end of next episode, and uh, we'll get even closer to the end of this fucking series. Uh, uh, no, I love the podcast portion of this. The podcast portion is great, but uh, I've never loved trivia. So thank you for listening, and that was spoilers. I think Josh was giving us clues. Special thank you to our patrons, Nick, Brother Brian, Matt Troll, The Maid, David, Nurse Stacy, Druid King, If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. At least points. <laughs> that was spoilers.